Hey, I've got an exciting episode of Terror at Collinwood for you today, featuring my guest, Danny Horn, of the Dark Shadows Everyday blog and the Superheroes Everyday podcast. I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about a few things coming up, some news bits. I will be doing an appearance as Penny Dreadful at the Monster Expo convention on October 14th and 15th. 2023 at the Taunton Conference Center in Taunton, Massachusetts. And I was also asked to present a panel devoted to Dark Shadows. That's right, it's a Dark Shadows 101 panel, if you will. It is Dark Shadows TV's gothic horror classic. So it's a basic overview of the show, the characters, the legacy, etc. So uh, please do attend the panel if you plan to be at Monster Expo. That's going to be on Saturday at 3 p.m. and they're going to have uh, screens with the with the panel information at the convention and otherwise I will be at my table all weekend Saturday and Sunday the 14th and 15th I'll have uh, Shilling Shockers DVDs I'll have some uh, Terror at Collinwood stickers which I will give you if you subscribe to the podcast you get it free I don't sell those stickers but the, the trade-off is you got to subscribe to get one of those stickers so you can do it right in front of me if you subscribe or if you should tell me that you're subscribed I'll give you a Terror at Collinwood sticker moving on very exciting things there's going to be a Dark Shadows meet and greet at Lindhurst in Tarrytown. Of course, that was the mansion used in House and in Night of Dark Shadows. And the meet and greet will feature Catherine Lee Scott and Marie Wallace. So that's going to be happening on Saturday and Sunday, October 21st and 22nd, 2023. They're going to have one meet and greet at 10.30 a.m. and another one at 1 p.m. on both days, and that'll be at the Lindhurst Welcome Center. Tickets are $50 per person plus service fees. So if you want to get on that, that's a really exciting event. Uh, speaking of exciting, Stuart Manning has announced that issue two of Daytime Gothic is coming. He is looking for submissions. And if you saw the first issue of Daytime Gothic, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm sure the second issue will be just as gorgeous. And I know there are going to be some really cool articles in there. Stuart especially is looking for fan art and fan fiction submissions. Uh, I don't think he's gotten as many of those as uh, nonfiction articles. So if you're a fan artist or a, or a fan fiction writer, please drop him a line at Collinwood. 80 at gmail.com. He is looking for submissions and you can uh, pitch your pitch your idea to Stuart uh, at Collinwood80 at gmail.com. And then also another fantastic publication that's coming is Our Shadowed Past Volume 2. So two, two Volume 2s here of two really cool things. If you have Volume 1 of Our Shadowed Past, you know how beautiful that is. And all of the rich and diverse fan memories through the years of fans who ran home from school to watch Dark Shadows all the way up to those who discovered it on streaming and everything in between. Uh, great memories, great insights all throughout that book, which is now available on Kindle, on Amazon. Well, Bob Issel, who is the mastermind behind this, along with Jeff Kenny, uh, they're looking for submissions for that. So if you want to write up an article about your memories of running home from school to watch Dark Shadows, or discovering it on VHS or on the sci-fi channel or in streaming, whatever it is, your feelings about the show, uh, the characters, the movies, the Ross novels, whatever, Gold Key comics, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, Bob is looking for submissions and you can write to him and touch base about that uh, and inquire at bobubus59 at gmail.com. So that's B-O-B-U-B-A-S 59 at gmail.com. And I think that's all the news, so let's get to the show.
There's nowhere to run, there's no place to hide. This podcast is fun, but there are spoilers inside. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. I am your hostess, Penny Dreadful, aka Danielle, and I am thrilled to have my guest here today. Um, it is, of course, the one and only Danny Horn, uh, who is the host of the Superheroes Everyday podcast and is the writer of the corresponding Superheroes Everyday blog. Danny's previous blog is well known to Dark Shadows fans. Of course, I'm talking about the Dark Shadows Everyday blog, which explored Dark Shadows episode by episode, starting with the release of Barnabas in episode 210, all the way through to episode 1225. The blog also featured many side trips into behind-the-scenes happenings, licensed media, merchandise, and remakes. He also founded the Muppet fan site Tough Pigs and co-founded Muppet Wiki, a detailed compendium of all knowledge about the Muppets and Jim Henson. By day, Danny is a director of product management at the Wikimedia Foundation, the nonprofit organization behind Wikipedia. By night and weekend, he promotes truth and justice through the unlikely medium of his blog and podcast about superhero movies. Welcome to the show, Danny. Oh, thank you so much, Danielle. I'm really, really glad to be here. Oh, gosh, it's my pleasure to have you here. Um, I was telling you right before we started recording that, um, you know, uh, I get a lot of requests from fans uh, for guests on the show. And I uh, probably at the top of the list is a- our actors from the show. But right That's after that, I mean, it's you're, you're right up next on the list. Like, uh, I Frequently, I get messages from fans and posts. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have the, the Dark Shadows Everyday guy on your on oh, your podcast, or they might mention you by name. So uh, I've been meaning to reach out to you for a while, so I'm glad glad to have um, you so, here. I'm so delighted to be here. I haven't had <laughs> so, a chance to talk to uh, to Dark Shadows fans for a little while. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk to you first before we get into the into the dark and shadowy topics. I want to talk to you about superheroes. Um, my um, uncle Valdemar, who I mentioned often on this show, my uncle Val, he introduced me to Dark Shadows and classic horror films of Universal, Hammer, Vincent Price films. Um, but he also introduced me to a lot of other cool stuff, including fifties and sixties rock and roll and superheroes. Uh, you know, he gave me a bunch of comic comic books when I was a kid. We used to watch uh, the Incredible Hulk TV series together and Wonder Woman and the George yeah. Reeves, Superman, Christopher Reeves, Superman movies, all of that. So we went to see Batman together, Batman 89 together, the Adam West Batman series. So I was excited to see that after you, I was sad that you, you know, ended your uh, run with Dark Shadows, but I was excited mm-hmm. to see that you were doing uh, superheroes, which is another thing I enjoy. So, uh, and I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. So can you talk a little bit about your First, about your passion for superheroes, your love of superheroes, and why it led to to doing this podcast and blog about superheroes. Sure. Um, you know, it's actually, it it is similar to my love for Dark Shadows. And mm-hmm. and the idea for Superheroes Everyday Blog, kind of, obviously, it came out of the, the Dark Shadows Everyday Blog. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, the thing, the thing that I love about Dark Shadows is the serialized narrative, long-running serialized narrative, and kind of figuring out um, how those stories work, how mm-hmm. characters work over time, and how things evolve according to how the audience is responding to it. Mm-hmm. And so when I finished with Dark Shadows, I wanted to tell a similar kind of story, and superhero movies is another story like that, where mm-hmm. there's been you know a million parts, um, and you can kind of see the evolution along with the way that, that people are appreciating it or understanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a you have a, a really fun uh, sort of comedic bent to it, or 
you you dive into the into the uh films these superhero mm-hmm. films but you also have kind of a an irreverent quality to it uh, I, there's a well. lot of them I'm, I'm making fun of the film yeah <laughs> because it, it turns out it turns out that quite a few of them are stupid and um and even the ones that like and but it's always silly because it's fantasy and yeah. it's big blockbuster and so there's always silly stuff about it and yeah i do it um the the podcast especially is more a comedy podcast than anything else well i but i agree with the, i mean i was listening to your uh discussion about the the joss whedon version of the justice league and I was, I kept saying, yes, like through, through the whole thing. Cause uh, I, I mean, all you talked about the, the Joss Whedon Justice League, but then I, when the Snyder cut came out of the Justice League mm-hmm. movie, all these people were like, oh, the Snyder cut's so much better. And I watched it and I was like, it's not better. It's just longer. longer. It's equally yes. bad. You know, it's just, <laughs> I know I've seen you talk about Superman before wear a mm-hmm. Superman t-shirt, which is another character. Yes. I think Joss, uh, Zack Snyder knows nothing about. Yep. Got wrong. Uh, <laughs> It's like Superman is hope and optimism. He's not yeah. like this brooding God, detached God. It's like, come on. Um, is Superman your favorite uh, superhero? Uh, yeah, Superman and Spider-Man are and the Spider-Man. two. Yeah. yeah, where I've really dug in and know a lot about and read all of the, you know, all of the the stuff going back to for Spider-Man in the 60s and, and for mm-hmm. Superman back to like the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, more, even more than actually like Superman, I find baffling dc i find baffling these days um <laughs> about like what's in continuity and what's actually going on in those um spider-man has, has continued to kind of keep it real yeah um, I gl- i'm glad that you um pointed up to a dc and a marvel characters i love uh, i love dc and marvel like i don't yeah. people always oh, do you love dc or marvel uh, but i agree with you the current i don't read m- much in terms of the current comics there was a period where i was really into batman and i collected uh, the batman comics i was really into mm, those yeah. but um but i always loved picking up some marvel comics and uh or dc co- other dc characters and reading those uh so i mean i don't think you have to pick a side you know you can enjoy right. oh yeah stuff from no. both. definitely um the serialized aspect of superhero comics yeah. um it's I've heard the same people say the same thing about Dark Shadows. It's like, I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know where to jump yeah. in. And it's kind of like oh. that with comics. Not like everything seems to be serialized now. And I think you you mentioned this in your Dark Shadows blog about genre television now tends to be serialized. Everything is a soap opera now. Yeah. 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 Can we talk a little bit about that? Like is Dark Shadows, would you say Dark Shadows is kind of groundbreaking in that regard for tele as far as tele genre television? Um so sorry, you can hear my cat probably. Your cat? <laughs> yeah, you're not hearing that. I can't. That. No, no, but Fantastic. that will that will right, add good. to the effect if the gift. Okay. He's a, a black cat actually. Um, oh, so awesome. ho- Howling in the distance. All right, so that's good. <laughs> Fantastic. It'll just be uh, atmosphere if it does come through. What's your um, cat's name? What's your cat's name? Luke. Luke. Oh. Yeah, he does not have a, a dark shadowsy name. I. Um, <laughs> uh, well. So the thing, the thing that I find super fascinating about Dark Shadows is that it is a soap opera. It's the it, um, it follows those rules. It follows those patterns, and, um, and what happens over time is, you know, at first it kind of embraces the craziness of that, mm-hmm. and and then after a while, sort of towards the end of the series, they start kind of breaking soap opera rules, um, mm-hmm. which I think actually kind of contributes to the show's decline at the end. The fun thing about soap operas and and kind of the reason why uh soap operas have, have taken over tv is soap operas are all about you know continuing a story over many parts you have to pay attention and there are like overlapping storylines that happen <clears throat> either like 
you know, for for soap operas, you know, daytime soap operas across years, for for shows now, just across seasons, um, you're supposed to be paying attention to uh, the, sort of the character interactions and and following different character stories over time. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to just not be true at all on nighttime TV. Um, it, it has really changed now because uh, partly, you know, because of like VHS and DVD and, and DVRs and now streaming made it kind of more possible for people to catch up on shows if they haven't been watching. Mm-hmm. Um, because initially sort of uh, a lot of primetime nightly show or you know weekly shows um, would just be episodic. There wouldn't be sort of like characters that you would follow over time or storylines that you would follow over time because they didn't have any faith that people like watched every single episode mm-hmm. um, or would remember across weeks, across episodes. Um, right. Once, once we've got, you know, VHS and kind of the ability of, of people in the audience to, um, to catch up and, and to kind of keep current, then the writers are able to kind of create more complicated soap opera type storylines. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm sorry. And so like genre TV yeah. has, has entirely become that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was was very important uh, in in that uh, sort of taking weekly genre TV and doing kind of like what Dark Shadows did, which is treating all of the, the fantasy parts, all of the, the horror parts as metaphor and, mm-hmm. and having that drive uh, character based stories. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and it's it's become a staple now. I mean, all of these television shows now, like uh, you know, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or something like that, mm-hmm. or or even what any of any of those Netflix series, like Stranger yeah. Things or HBO, or Game of Thrones, anything that's horror, fantasy, sci-fi does tend to follow that uh, serialized storytelling format. Yeah. Everything's um, got a big bad. Everything you know, and there's like character and relationships that last over the course of seasons. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to circle back to the soap opera thing and just just a little bit. But um, can and uh, anything else you want to say about superheroes before we seg over to Dark Shadows? And, and no, let's and, talk Dark Shadows. And, I appreciate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, people okay. people should check out the the Superheroes Everyday podcast. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, it's Every episode is is a specific superhero movie, mm-hmm. which I talk about in three parts. Uh, as per the uh, Sidfield three act structure, um, we go through the movie and uh, basically make jokes about it, and yeah. it's really fun. People check it out. Yeah. I loved uh, I loved uh, your uh, analysis with uh, Stuart of Batman and Robin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes, Stuart as... Manning's been on the show. It's, yeah, um, sort of related to Dark Shadows people. Like Stuart Manning's been on the show. Joe Lidster, who mm-hmm. um, produced all the big finish dark shadows uh stories he was on an episode about morbius Mm -hmm. um which is the the vampire not superhero movie yeah um yeah people should come and check that out yeah they uh, are very funny and you have uh, laramie dean i think coming oh yeah laramie dean is yeah uh is just he's on the one that's just releasing this week yeah i've had laramie on uh on the podcast and i've had uh stewart and stewart's coming back on to talk about uh the daytime gothic too oh great uh, so he's coming back on. I haven't had Joe Lister on yet, but I got to have him on at some point if he, yeah. if he wants to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, I'm, as a Batman fan, I've told you an email when I saw Batman and Robin for the first time in the theater. Yeah, uh, I was uh, I can't really explain my reaction. It It wasn't as bad as my reaction to the Johnny Depp Dark Shadows movie when I saw that, which was just yeah. I just was like sad um, when I <laughs> when I saw the Batman and Robin movie. It was kind of like, what did I what did I just? Yeah, <laughs> it's like an explosion <laughs> of color. But I do love 
to this day. I do love uh, Arnold's Mr. Freeze. He's great. Uh, he was great. I, I mean, I will always adore the uh, animated series version, um, which mm. was very tragic. Paul Dini kind of rewrote him in it and reinvented the, the character for the animated series. I, I also love the Adam West, especially the Autumn Preminger version mm. of Mr. Freeze, which I guess the Arnold version was kind of a throwback to the. Yeah. Like a more buff version <laughs> of the <laughs> with the ice puns and everything. But right. anyway, uh, so Dark Shadows. OK, yes. Your blog is uh, is quite uh, legendary among Dark Shadows fans. Like I said, I hear about it all. People always bring it up. So talk a little bit about how you got into Dark Shadows in the first place. What, how did you discover Dark Shadows? Uh, Dark Shadows came along at just the right time for me. I think I was 13 years old um, and I lived in New Jersey. And in New Jersey back in the late 1980s, uh, New Jersey Network, the public TV station, really rescued Dark Shadows mm -hmm. um, and brought episodes of Dark Shadows out that people that had never been rerun before. I don't know if 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 you know any of this, like the syndication. Oh, I do. Oh, I was I was right okay, there. there. I was okay. right there. Yep. In the 80s, we they we had it up here in uh, Massachusetts out of Vineyard Haven, and they also carried it up until the end of the syndication package. So into par 1970 parallel yeah. time. Oh, good. Yeah, so I did get to see um, to see up to the end of the syndication package, and I remember it was like a, a, a lost cause almost. Like, are we ever going <laughs> to see that last year of Dark Shadows in the eighteen forty concordance? Was our only way to kind of right, yes. know about that, you know? But and then finally, MPI kind of saved the day with uh, with the VHS and then the Sci Fi mm -hmm. Channel. So yeah, I totally yes. Yeah, so before that. before all of that stuff, um, and and definitely before. I mean, it's such an amazing, you know, thinking back on on those late 80s days when when mm -hmm. these episodes were so precious yeah. and and we you know there were things that we couldn't see um the fact that people can see everything now on demand is just amazing and i'm really happy for dark shadows fans now yeah um to be able to uh to go through the whole series like that Absolutely. yeah so i started when i was um when i was 13 um and was kind of like uh david and amy's age as they discovered um quentin's uh quentin's ghost and uh and his uh the the box what was it the oh the crib in the west wing and the yeah. and the coffin that was buried um i just connected i, I think 1897 so new jersey network was the first to have the 1897 year and then the leviathan and, and parallel time year mm -hmm. um and i just absolutely i i watched the show on and off um before that but once it got into 1897 um, I just absolutely fell in love with with everything about the show. Mm -hmm. Were you a Were you a fan of uh, like spooky stuff, like monster kid really. stuff? No, yeah, no, yeah, no. My brother was. He was uh -huh. into like the the monster movies. I was into like the Muppets and Disney um, mm -hmm. and Doctor Who. That was the other big oh, one Doctor for me Who at the time, okay. and which yeah. was also on public TV. Right. Um, and also serialized. Well, I guess within yeah. story stories, the, the individual stories that would be serialized. So there is that mm -hmm. link as well. Yeah. Um, I have friends, you know, it's funny, I have friends who are really into Doctor Who and they love early Doctor Who, but they couldn't get into Dark Shadows. And they I was like, there is I don't think it's a far cry from early <laughs> right. Doctor Who to, to Dark Shadows. You know, it's you have to make kind of the same mental adjustments in your head. Right. To to just say, I know I'm watching 1960s television. It was different. The pace is different. The sets are different. Um, you have to be able to like look past that and and see like the passion and and what people are actually bringing to that. Exactly. And the yeah. same is true with with Doctor Who, basically through the entire uh, the entire series. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's remarkable that they were able to pull off what they pulled off on a, yeah. on, on a daily basis with dark shadows. I mean, every, every day they were cranking out these shows with these uh, amazing theater actors, you know, that yeah. were just so unique. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so you got into watching it on the New Jersey network. Um, yeah. Did you actually, any... now that I think about it, I, there was the, I saw the early Barnabas episodes first. Oh, I okay. Was, I was like in fifth grade um, when NBC in New York mm-hmm. showed uh, it must've been the first six months, maybe. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was the first six months. And so I did, I watched those and I was just kind of fascinated and, and confused um, by that whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. So when I found it next on New Jersey network, um, a few years later, I really, really connected. So it, it rang a bell from when you watched it mm-hmm. before and you're like, Oh, this was the thing. Um, yeah. did, uh, were you watching, uh, so you weren't really into the, the classic horror stuff. Were you watching soap operas at that time? Like that's, that's another, there are different audiences for dark shadows, which I always yeah. find fascinating. Cause you have the, 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 the horror classic horror crowd that's into it and you have the soap opera fans and uh not to put people in, in boxes but i'm just curious like what was there I, think, uh, I uh i think my like the way that i would get into dark shadow like the thing that appealed to me and, and what that corresponded to was doctor who yeah um and because the thing that is that i love about both of those shows is the ability to go and just do anything Mm-hmm. Um, for them to be, for the the creators to be amazingly creative and put out like, and reach for whatever it is that they, that they could possibly think of. And sometimes their reach exceeds their grasp. Sometimes they nail it. Sometimes they really don't nail it. Um, but it's always interesting. It's always like creative and new and special. And definitely in a world, you know, in the, in the 1980s when normal TV, when network TV was super boring. Um, It was always the same thing all the time. Like every show would be the same, you know, for every episode that seeing Dark Shadows going from, you know, 1960s to 1795, um, starting, you know, including ghosts and werewolves and and everything that they could like throw at the screen. um, That was the thing that connected with me. And that, and that's the same kind of the Muppets was my, my early love and Doctor Who and Dark Shadows kind of all have that feeling. Yeah. Excellent. Um, one thing I found, like you mentioned the 80s and discovering and watching Dark Shadows on NBC and then the New Jersey Network. Um, I also remember in the 80s, um, like in high school, no, I, it was a weird time to be it because I was so passionate about Dark Shadows. Yeah. And I, I discovered the fandom at around that time, too. I eventually found out about uh, Shadow Graham and the world yeah. of Dark Shadows, and that was my in into the fandom. But yeah. like none of my friends in high school, or any, it didn't seem like anybody. It was weird because Dark Shadows was such a yeah. huge phenomenon in the sixties, mm-hmm. uh, huge yeah. pop culture phenomenon. And then it's like, then Gen X comes along, and it's like, you guys don't know. How do you not know about this, this thing? <laughs> right. You know? Did you have yeah. that, a similar experience to that or oh, not? Yeah, absolutely. No, I I don't think I knew anybody in high school. Like when I was really into Dark Shadows. Um, I don't remember anybody else ever being interested in it at all. Yeah, it's super mysterious that it was it was so big. Um, it burned very, very brightly for a few years in the late 1960s. And then once it was gone, it really kind of disappeared from the earth and it disappeared from people's consciousness. It's so weird. And it's, yeah. uh, I saw it described on, I almost read it, somebody described it as the missing link of genre television. Because 
Yeah, and, I, yeah, and it's like it's like because it was so pivotal in so many ways and influential in a lot of ways, and, and yeah. it's like how how did this how did this happen? And I and it went into syndication, but maybe because it was so immense, you know, yeah. it was difficult for stations to kind of keep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that. I mean, this was it was a big problem that you know Star Trek actually didn't do that well in the ratings, especially their third season, and then they got mm-hmm. taken off the air. Um, when Star Trek really became like Star Trek as people know it, that was that was in syndication. Um, mm-hmm. When they took all the episodes and just ran them and ran them and ran them uh, every afternoon in the in the seventies and into the eighties, um, and because they had what like ninety two episodes probably, I'm probably wrong, so, but some, so, some, yeah. something like something in that area. So you could just like run them forever. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Shadows, you've got twelve hundred episodes, and nobody really knew how to syndicate a show that was 1200 episodes um it's a huge commitment and the idea that people are going to watch every day so it found a home on on public tv where they didn't have to worry that much about the ratings as long as there were passionate people who really wanted to support it and and they they'd have to keep track of running it in order because i remember right. channel 58 which was like a uhf channel they i remember sometimes they would play an episode out of order like it was yeah uh, which i think cannot was, do yeah, it was like it was during the the werewolf and Quentin's ghost storyline, and, and then all of a sudden there was an 1897 episode, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. we're going to 1897." Cool. <laughs> it's like it was just randomly dropped in, so it was, yeah. it was confusing. Um. So okay. So um, how did you discover the fandom? Then was it also through the fanzines? I think I do remember yeah. you talking about Kathy Rash, who I've had on the podcast as well, and I loved oh, the world of dark shadows. Yeah, yeah, that was such an iconic fan publication that ran for decades you know uh was that your your in was uh was the fanzines uh yes yeah yeah, yeah i found i think there was like a cult tv book and it and it had the address mm-hmm. for world of dark shadows and yeah it really like opened everything up all of a sudden i had people to talk to um uh-huh. it was it was you know for us it, it was like that was the forum that was the the facebook group that was the twitter group like that was how you connected with other people who really loved the show mm-hmm. except it happened like once every 4 months <laughs> maybe um you know so there were things that like i letters that i'd written and kind of responses to people that i yeah. that i'd written and so there's there was kind of like a back and forth mm-hmm. um as you would get like on the internet now except you know, instead of like sending it and getting a response back, you send it and then you wait four months yes. for the response to come back in the mail. Yes. All typed up. Yes. Um, but they were absolutely brilliant. I actually still, I've got them within within easy reach. Oh, are nice. All of my World of Dark Shadows and Inside the Old House and all yes. the fan scenes. They were just so brilliant. Oh, I um, love those. Yeah. And and I'm so delighted that um, that Stuart Manning is doing the Daytime Gothic mm-hmm. uh, magazines now, like bringing back a print scene. It's so exciting. And so I wrote something for the first issue and I'm writing something right now for the second issue. Mm-hmm. And it's like great because I have that love of of the print scenes from the 80s and 90s. Um, I'm so excited to be like and they're so beautiful. They're oh, they're so, gorgeous. Fanzines yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so to be a part of that is, uh, has been really special for me too. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I was really excited when uh, Stuart announced that he was bringing that back. And I, I also have a piece in the in the first issue. Great. 
and uh and i will in the second issue as well uh so uh excited about that so um i wrote the uh 10 uh, gothic uh 10 gothic tales that could have been used in dark shadows had the series oh continue. yeah yeah so because oh, I, I always thought it was a cop yeah. out you know when dan curtis and uh and the writers like sam hall and stuff be like oh we just ran There's out no of ideas stories. i'm yeah. like that's not true come on <laughs> you guys are just burned out from doing yeah. <laughs> dan curtis wanted to go make movies in hollywood um mm -hmm. there so i mean they could have they there were plenty of other tales they could have woven into the into the mix there um so okay so you discovered the phantom now let's let's jump ahead here how did you come up with the uh i know you got into you were really into the muppets and you did a lot mm -hmm. in the muppets fandom which is yes. awesome uh, i remember the muppet show uh, in the in the 70s and going yeah. into the 80s and uh i mean those iconic uh characters and uh i think that's really cool that you you contributed so heavily to the Muppets fandom in such a key way um yeah that was actually that was my print scene okay. um in 1992 I made a, a zine called Muppet scene which uh -huh. ran for five years and and uh was the first like real adult Muppet fandom thing and kind mm -hmm. of like brought Muppet fans together for the first time that's great. Um, yeah yeah and then in 1997 there was the internet and it was very silly to like print things and photocopy them and send them out through the mail yeah that, that so the internet then it turned into then it yeah then it turned into websites yeah the internet kind of it did kind of kill the print fanzine and it's it's it was such an exciting thing to get one of those in the mail like you'd yeah. see that envelope come in it's like oh it's it's one of the zines uh and uh I'm glad, like you said, Stuart, bringing that back is such a such a great thing, and, really and I I love that you did a, a Muppet fanzine. Um, did you did you get a lot of subscribers for it? Uh, yes, considering yeah, there <laughs> must have been there must have been it was it was in the hundreds. Wow, um, wow. which doesn't seem like a lot, uh, but at the time, was well, for one to, person, a lot to put that. a lot to put in the mail. Yeah, um, I was gonna say that must that's a labor of love, definitely. Oh to, yeah, it to, was for sure. Yeah. Um, and as is the Dark Shadows Everyday blog, um, because yes. that was an immense undertaking um, to to cover all of those episodes. Uh, so, what prompted you to do that? Um, I I wanted to do some kind of uh, like big long running writing project, which I hadn't really done, um, and I wanted to just see if I could do it and if it would be fun and if I could get better at it. Um, and so I, there's a lot of, you know, with Doctor Who as being another kind of major fandom of mine, there's several different texts that where people are like watching all of Doctor Who and writing about all of Doctor Who. Um, and there were starting to be like podcasts also that would do like, here's, you know, Star Wars, you know, one minute at a time. And I really liked that format. And then Dark Shadows, nobody had done that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so yeah, so I decided it would be fun to try out and I figured nobody would ever read it. So I could basically just do whatever I wanted. Um, and then was really delighted to to find that it, it now is like accompanying people as they're watching the show. I hear that a lot of like on their dark shadow shadows journey. Um, Absolutely. That watch it. Yeah. So um, I really didn't know what I was doing in those early, <laughs> those early episodes, um, but kind of figured out what I wanted to say about the character and about uh the the stylish and the process of the show like that was the thing that that was really important and interesting to me is like can we figure out what was happening with the writers what was happening like with the producer as it's getting filtered out through the show mm -hmm. um that was the thing that that super fascinated me and uh and then after a while as the show got weirder the blog got weirder <laughs> and 
I don't know. Uh, people have seen that. Uh, and and something that is that is so wonderful for me about the readers of Dark Shadows Every Day is people just encourage that. They encourage me to just do my own dream sequences in the blog. <laughs> yeah, you um, did. You did do that. Yeah, like some kind of fanfic type stuff. To, yeah, and uh, yeah, and tell yeah. some stories about minor characters and and just to mm -hmm. get just to get um and to have kind of at a certain point, especially towards the end, like my own running like subplot. Um, stealing characters along the way from that were dropped in different storylines and kind of putting them together and seeing what happens there. Right. Um, and then I ended up uh, casting a magic spell. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I cast a spell. Um, I believe it was uh, to make Trump lose the election. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And it worked. I was so happy. Yes. Yeah, I cast you, it. was you, me and the Dark Shadows Kaiju you, went back you, in time and we had our, and we, there was a, a post where I am casting that spell um mission accomplished <laughs> mission accomplished it totally worked um yeah so it was and and so what's lovely is is just like dark shadows people are so amazing and uh forgiving <laughs> and weird and but like but really kind of went with me on on the weird stuff that i ended up doing and i, yeah. I just had a i had a blast doing it it's, yeah writing the blog i miss it it was you know it was such great fun yeah um, i mean it's and, i'm sorry go ahead i was and also like uh, covering things like the gold key novels. So every once in a while for folks who haven't seen the blog, um, if there's an episode where I really didn't have that much to say, I would go and talk about something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that would be like, uh, you know, an issue with a comic book that was coming out around the time that I'm writing about or the gold key novel that was coming out that month. Um, it's so much fun kind of like delving into that whole range of crazy spin offery yeah. um, within the within sort of that the timeline of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And and you also talked about like real life things that were going on, like Jonathan Frid doing his tours. Mm -hmm. uh, and, oh, yeah. and you'd you'd bring you'd reference that throughout and yeah. bring that back up. Uh, and uh, just, you know, uh, and then you cover the the reboots and the remakes and mm -hmm. uh, and address those and do do write ups on those. So it was fun seeing you take side trips into yes. uh, yeah. The periphery of dark shadows, the orbit of dark shadows. I pulled some quotes from your blog that I want to I want to okay. bring up and talk uh, about. Um, but I also want to just ask you because this is something I mentioned. It you know you did the whole thing where you went back in time to never too young. Like this is what happens when you try to go back to the beginning and you wind up in the Tony Dow uh, yes. show that was on before Dark Shadows. Um, why not? Why didn't you cover the pre Barnabas episodes? Um, I didn't because. For me and for like our gener for like the rerun generation, um, the show started at two ten. That mm -hmm. that was where the rerun started. Was Barnabas coming out of the box? Everything before mm -hmm. that was sort of mysterious, mm -hmm. um, and um, and so it was two ten. Like for every time it, it started on on public TV, they started two ten. Yeah. Um, and uh, the concordances mostly like it was a while before we got like a nineteen sixty six concordance. Um. And then when like the v the VHS releases started, that started with 210 as well. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably the thing that made me say like, you know what? 210 is the start. This is where the show really begins. Everything before that is prehistory. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to write 200 posts <laughs> about a period of the show that I just think is kind of boring. Um, mm -hmm. Other people have done that now. And uh, like uh, Asilius has, has, is doing his own blog um, where he is where he went back all the way to the beginning and, and has found interesting stuff all the way through. Um, yeah. But for me, the story started at 210. 
um, gotcha. and then and then continues until the end. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I didn't get to watch like many of us. We didn't get to watch it until the, until uh, Dark Shadows, the collector's series. I think on VHS from MPI, yeah. they released those after they released the. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I did get I did watch those and I I I enjoyed them. I mean, they're not my favorite storylines, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy enjoy them. I liked the slow build up to it's like okay, you can start to see yeah, the hints of the supernatural. Is this a metaphor or is this really and then it just starts to build up and then uh, and I really enjoyed the Laura um storyline. Mm-hmm. I thought this Laura Laura storyline was really cool. It was like yeah, the, cool. the prelude to Barnabas almost she was the first supernatural antagonist in the show. So it was kind of yeah. cool. And then when they brought her back and it, that must have mm-hmm. been really cool for those who did the the probably oh, yeah. you know, 12 yeah. people who are watching <laughs> Barnabas episodes in the 60s to see her come back. That must have been yeah. kind of a cool thing. Like, oh my God, oh, yeah. David's mother. And also think, his grandmother. Think, you know, for for us and for all the Dark Shadows fans, you know, that exist now, like I said, like you have to make some mental adjustments. And mm. um when you watch like old Doctor Who or old Dark Shadows, really mm. any like really old TV, um, to say, I'm going to accept how this is. <laughs> Um, and, and I think for the, for the pre-Barnabas episodes, like that's an extra adjustment that you have to make is like, not only am I watching this crazy show, but you know, this 60 show, but also this is the period that was real slow when, um, you know, they, when these storylines would just drag out forever. Um, you have to kind of like decide that before you, before you then go and, and consciously enjoy, um, the 1966 episodes. Right. And those, uh, those I do, I also, I will say, I like too, that you get to you get to know those characters a little better. They, I mean, they, they change and evolve and become better people over, over time. Well, you know, Roger was pretty rotten in those pre and David was, you know, incipient psychopath as Roger (laughs) called, but um, they kind of, a lot of those, the, the, that core family, once the, the monster show starts, you know, they kind of get into victims more, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, in the background and they're they're always there uh and it's comforting to have them there they're all they're always there but they're they're they yeah. become the victims and mm-hmm. the, the monsters become the protagonists of the show which is a hugely i think groundbreaking thing mm-hmm. for dark, that dark shadows did now all these like you mentioned buffy like you know a character like angel yep. uh, i don't think would have existed oh, if yeah, it weren't for, for barnabas you know yeah um, and and true blood and even oh yeah i think like interview with a vampire the way it's done oh yes now yeah. um is also owes a lot to the you know Barnabas as the kind of reformed vampire. Yeah, I mean, Anne Rice was a was a Dark Shadows fan. Uh, yeah, she's she's she was she's on record as saying that. Uh, so let's let's talk. I'm gonna pull pull. So I pulled some quotes here. We're talking about Barnabas here. So one thing I really appreciate about your blog is um, your your take on Barnabas Collins. Um, a lot of fans. Uh, look at dark shadows and they it's, it's a very subjective thing i mean some people look at it and they see one thing some people look at it and they see something else right. uh, a lot of fans have a tendency i think to see barnabas as um the uh, as a, a, a hero the hero of right. the, show, the super, hero a, right. yeah a superhero especially it's, a romantic hero yeah a romantic hero 
uh, or uh, people want to care for Barnabas. They want Barnabas to, to be happy, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I, you don't wear rose colored glasses when it comes to Barnabas. You're, Barnabas or, is a mess. He, he is. And I'm, I pulled this quote <laughs> yeah, I pulled, and that's why we love Barnabas. I, yeah, I, I adore I know. him. Yeah, a fictional I character. That. I love Barnabas, but I, I love the light and dark in that character, the interplay of the, mm -hmm. the dumpster fire that is Barnabas Collins. <laughs> and, and Jonathan Frid did too. He, he loved playing that, but, um, <laughs> Barnabas is absolutely not a good guy. He never is at any point in the original series, the 91 series, the trading cards, the Viewmaster reels, the Big Finish audios, or any other version of the show that people like. He is an insane, self-absorbed nightmare machine who reluctantly chooses to destroy everyone's lives over and over again because he's decided that he's in love with some girl or because someone is annoying him. He will do absolutely anything to satisfy his whims and appetites and evade punishment for his many grisly crimes. Also, he thinks that he's the hero. This is why we <laughs> like him. <laughs> you nailed nailed it there. As far as yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I love Barnabas. And sometimes people are like, "Well, you do you not like Barnabas?" No, I love Barnabas. But that's yeah. you described why it's. <laughs> I think sometimes people are maybe are a little like they feel ashamed or something to like someone a, a car a vampire who's right a mass murderer. I'm Barnabas yeah. is a mass murderer. Uh, he, and and you feel for Barnabas. There's a sadness to him, but mm -hmm. uh, but he's also. So extremely damaged he just, character he just chooses i think especially when you get to roxanne he just like randomly chooses a girl to be in love with yeah and then that you know colors everything that he does from that point like at that point that it doesn't even really make sense um mm. that he would do this i think the thing that's interesting is that people mistake main character for hero there are a ton of of you know what I call the kaiju, like the really what turn out to be the main characters of Dark yeah. Shadows is Barnabas and Julia, Quentin and Angelique. Yeah. Um, and then to some degree, uh, Gerard towards mm -hmm. the end. Um, none of those people are heroes. They're all villains. Yeah. And that is the fun thing about Dark Shadows is is that people just really um, connected so strongly to these villain characters that they became not heroes, but main characters, like the people that you want to see the most, the people who drive the action. Um, the ones who, even when other characters like drop in and out, like those stay. Um, and and so he doesn't have to be a hero. He doesn't have to be a good guy. Good guy is completely irrelevant to him. He kills people all of the time in every storyline. Sometimes he has a justification for that. Sometimes he does not. But like he is a murderer. All of those people are murderers. Um, yeah. We just like them. Mm -hmm. um, but he that was, doesn't mean that they're good. Yeah, he. I heard Barnabas described. I think it was in the Dark Shadows forums years ago. He, Barnabas is the judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, every yeah. time he's the one who, yes, who yeah. he, he makes. The, but all of those characters, like you said, those characters um, represent the other, and they become the protagonists of the show. And they're yeah. not heroes in the traditional sense. I think some people identify with the with those characters sometimes, and they're like, oh, they they're they're the good ones, but they're. I mean, maybe anti-heroes they might you could maybe argue that because they there there is i mean they, they're trying to stop especially like towards the end they're trying to stop people who want to destroy the family yes and you um, mentioned the kaiju thing where that's exactly mm -hmm. it yeah um and i pulled a quote about that too um okay. in his first movie in 1954 godzilla was a horrifying nuclear age monster stomping through tokyo as a cinematic reenactment of hiroshima and nagasaki he was a punishment sent to remind everyone not to mess around with atom bombs. At the end of the movie, Godzilla chokes to death underwater and then disintegrates, and everyone cheers. 
but people liked him. At a certain scale, larger-than-life monsters become more exciting than scary, so he revived for one sequel after another, and it wasn't long before Godzilla was the hero monster defending the people of Japan from the villain monsters. That And that's is that's exactly what happens. Barnabas, yeah yeah with barnabas and all, all of those all of those even like you mentioned angelique you know people always, i think a lot of times modern media depictions of angelique tend to be kind of one-dimensional it's like oh she's the antagonist mm-hmm. but in this right. show she actually also becomes this kind of shades of gray character where she yeah, does absolutely. become an ally to barnabas and quentin and julia at some point but then like mm-hmm. you said for the 1840 storyline you said uh, one of my favorite quotes i throw off yeah, yeah, she re- she re- restored to factory settings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that quote. Yeah, but it's true, and that that was kind of disappointing. It's like, well, why take Angel? I'd I'd like to yeah. see the Angelique that had kind of become an ally against the Leviathans and helped against Patofi and stuff. I mean, Angelique always has her own ulterior motives, as they mm-hmm. all do, but she became uh, an ally to to yeah. them too. So it's um, I mean, the thing the thing that I really love about those four characters as the main characters um is that they are interesting anytime they're on screen and when mm-hmm. you have when you take just two of those especially like barnabas and julia together are just dynamite every mm-hmm. scene always fun to watch um and angelique and barnabas standing around declaiming and talking about their relationship i think is like i don't think they have a bad scene in the whole show lots of other characters have bad scenes but like there's never a bad barnabas angelique scene agreed um yeah. And because they are so dynamic and they'll do so much to like further the plot and the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I know like in Leviathan, it's really nice when Angelique um, kind of joins with Julia um, and helps to to destroy the Leviathans and sort of becomes um, Julia's friend. Uh, I think that's really appealing, not because like, oh, it's Angelique becoming a good person or a hero. It's just, she's just fun to watch hanging out with julia and exactly. so if, if if that turn towards like okay maybe i'll help you gets us more like julia angelique scenes mm-hmm. then we love that that's fantastic yeah and i i think you have a, a great understanding too of that as a as a comic fan because that mm-hmm. that happens in comics a lot when a character yeah. becomes a villain in the comics becomes super popular they tend to kind of go in that direct we want to follow yeah yeah their story and what's like scarlet to. witch and, and quicksilver Yes. Um, as just one example of like, yeah, uh, villains who were just fun to fun to read about right. um, and move things along to the point where, OK, people really want to see these characters. We can't have them just be villain characters forever. Uh, yeah. um, and so turn them into heroes, brought them into the Avengers. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned some some great, uh, great characters there, including uh, Julia. Uh, and I know she's she's one of your favorite. Is she your favorite Dark Shadows yes. character? Uh, why? She why is- so? she is one of the best fictional characters in history um it's i don't even know who's on on her level um the thing that's amazing about julia is she is just a non-stop story machine she's a real smart character which means she doesn't get fooled by people and you know because there's uh on dark shadows very much um the the family can often be like goldfish um they're just swimming around the bowl and every time they see a ghost it's like the first time they've seen a ghost Mm -hmm. there's stuff way late where they're still pretending like that they don't know that ghosts exist how is that possible look at your life um julie always remembers everything and she's always like a step ahead of everybody and she will and she's a trickster like she will come and lie or blackmail 
or do whatever she needs to do in order to get stuff done. And it always moves the story along in a really beautiful way. And that's, and that's, I think is as well as just like Grayson Hall and her facial expressions, like, and you know, this is nothing of, of we love what looks interesting and we love the character that does interesting things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that Grayson Hall looks every single moment uh, is its own weird picture. She's uh, you can never predict what she's going to do. Yeah. And, and so that's, that, that is why I love her. Very, really fun to watch. It's she's yeah. Yeah. yeah, Agreed. Yeah. Um, Another quote I pulled from your blog, kind of relating to these uh, interesting characters here. This one is actually in reference to professor Stokes. You said, um, we're exactly a year into the vampire story this week. And this is the model for introducing new characters big theatrical high concept lunatics who couldn't appear anywhere else on television but here they don't do small anymore i think they've forgotten how (laughs) that's great i I agree definitely um and and stokes actually is an example of of somebody who almost gets there yeah i read about this that like stokes he's he's amazing he does the yeah the same thing of like every scene that stokes walks into is now a stokes scene yeah um (laughs) And he's just going to take over and do crazy. He's going to like turn furniture upside down. He's going to do whatever he wants yeah. to do. Um, but they never let him in to I, the and murder club. But they can't, I, I don't think, because I don't think Stokes would be cool with what they did. Because um, Stokes, I think Stokes, he's kind of the, um, the Van Helsing of Dark Shadows. And I don't think from a moral standpoint... If Stokes found out that Barnabas kept an innocent woman locked prisoner in his basement and uh, vampirized people and that Quentin and murdered all these people, Julia was in on the murder of Dave Woodard and Angelique murdered all. I mean, I don't think Stokes would be down with that, Mm -hmm. which is why I don't think they ever fully embrace Stokes into into that group. I I agree. And unfortunately, like, but that's why he didn't become part of like that core cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, because he, you can't have like Julia and Stokes scenes in the way that you have like Julia towards the end, Julia and Angelique scenes, um, where they dig each other and and they're playing together. Yeah. Um, Stokes always was kind of kept on the outside. If if the the main if the main characters are all going to be part of Murder Club, um, and Stokes can't be in that, then he just yeah. is never able to enter that circle, and he kind of fades away. Right, right, and and they have to keep blinders on him when it comes to yeah. to like Barnabas and stuff. Like he's like, well, he's an expert in the occult, and you know, kind of is a boss during that scene when he enters the dream curse and stuff. And it's like, right. how how did he not figure out Barnabas is a vampire? <laughs> right. And then I remember in the fanzine days, there were theories about like, well, well, he did figure it out, but he didn't. He didn't say anything because he figured out he was cured, but he doesn't seem to know that he, Barnabas is a vampire in 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't seem to have any knowledge of that. So um, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I was just rereading my my post on that because I'm writing something for for Daytime Gothic, and I wanted to look mm-hmm. back at some stuff I'd written. Uh, I I don't know if Stokes knows why Quentin doesn't age in 1995. Yeah, it's he just. I, I think there's like pay, yeah, everybody nobody pays attention to that. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I guess Stokes has a lot of other things on his mind in 1995. He's <laughs> like, I don't even want to think about that. I've already right. dealt with enough with the, with this whole Gerard. Uh, I live, thing. I live, I live in Collinsport. Life is weird enough. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, another uh, thing I want to talk about, like you mentioned the soap opera thing um, in mm-hmm. the dark show, like 
I was introduced, like I said, I was introduced to Dark Shadows by my uncle, who was a big monster kid in the 60s. And he loved all those, he loved Dark Shadows growing up when he moved from Portugal as a kid. And he got into Dark Shadows right away and famous monsters and all of that. And he introduced Dark Shadows. He never even mentioned that Dark Shadows was a soap opera. I, I When I was yeah. a child, I did, I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's just this cool show with a lot of episodes that continues on. Um, because I had watched like some of, all my children for a few months with my mm -hmm. mom. And I was like, this is, that is nothing like this is totally, a totally different other than the fact that it's serialized. And so I always, I guess, I mean, technically, yeah, Dark Shadows is a, is a soap opera, but I find it has a lot more in common with something you addressed in the blog, which is Varney the Vampire, um, the serialized mm -hmm those gothic tales those penny dreadfuls uh were yeah. the were shilling shockers and all that were, were serialized tales of the supernatural and varney was the first sympathetic vampire barnabas is the mm -hmm. first like one that made an atomic bomb that impact is, yes. on, on yeah. vampire culture but varney actually predates barnabas mm -hmm. as does dracula's daughter and a couple other examples but um here's and this is where i think dark shadows kind of did separate itself from the traditional soap opera um that this is from your blog the de facto head writer on dark shadows was dan curtis and to get through to him you had to connect to something he liked dan didn't care about soap operas he never produced any others as far as i know he never even watched one dan knew universal monsters hammer horror and the classics of english lit and then you go on the way uh, this is another entry the way we even talk about dark shadows the 1897, 1840, parallel time, 1970, Leviathan story arcs is nothing like how people discuss soap operas. Soaps are primarily character-based, with people sitting around recapping and discussing their feelings. DS did do some of that prior to Barnabas taking over the show, but I don't see returning to that as a formula for success. So my question is, when you when we look at Dark Shadows as a soap opera, and you talk about comic books being soap operas and these current TV shows being soap operas, is there a distinction between serialized storytelling and soap operas is there a difference between because uh, right. i always i tend to refer to dark shadows as a serial because if you invoke the soap opera phrase sometimes especially to horror fans are like oh, i'm not gonna watch a soap opera it's, right. <laughs> but it's like yeah but it's 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 unfortunate you know but it's like well that's judging just based on uh mm -hmm. on a on a on a slang phrase for for right this serialized it's a serialized story so is there a difference between a soap opera and a serialized story where does dark shadows fall in in into that um i think you know when we talk about soap opera the the most important thing about serialized fiction is that it's being produced at the same time that people are experiencing it Mm -hmm. um, it's not like you write a whole, you know, you write a whole novel and then you just release it in sections like that. Yeah, that's a serial, but um, it's not the same thing. Like what matters and, and this so much mattered with Dark Shadows was um, that as as uh, kind of serialized narrative, they were producing the show and then they were getting uh, information from the viewers mm -hmm. about what they wanted. Like that's why. They ended up going for Laura. That's why they ended up going for Barnabas because the ratings were going down and they had like, they had a plan to like have Barnabas on for like six weeks or 13 weeks and then kill him off. And what they found was, you know, people really loved him. They really like Jonathan Frid was just fascinating to watch. Um, and so we wanted to just keep watching him like, and that's how he became the, the main character of the show mm -hmm. is that they were paying attention to kind of what were the viewers doing? And what were the viewers really responding to? 
um, that is, I think, the fun of soap opera and the fun mm -hmm. of serialized narratives. And like superhero comics is the same that that, you know, they try different things. They try a new costume. They try, you know, the new characters coming in and kind of long term. What happens is that the good characters survive and keep going and the boring characters kind of get left behind. Um, that very much happened to Dark Shadows. Um, so that's my serialized narrative thing. Uh, soap opera specifically, um, the structure of soap opera is multiple overlapping plots that continue over time, um, where and that kind of like intersect at at various times. So like a very soap opera period is is 1897 when there's just so many different things happening. Mm -hmm. And you as a viewer are kind of tracking like what Laura is doing and what Quentin is doing and what Angelique is doing and who has the will. Um, and all, you know, there's all these things that like come up, uh, you know, as, as new characters come in, uh, it's that structure that is the soap opera. I see. Um, that's, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, and the thing that people think of uh, when you talk about daytime soap operas is like the content the specific, like specifically like what who those characters are and what they're doing um and dark shadows is very different content or becomes very different content wise yeah um especially around love which dark shadows has really very little interest in for the most part uh because you know there there's no such thing you know on kind of regular daytime soap operas they're they're more focused on marriages and births and divorces and kind of uh and love stories uh kind of people coming together and splitting apart again mm -hmm. and dark shadows is not that interested in like it's definitely not interested in weddings it's not interested in babies it's not um like uh which i think ultimately kind of leads towards when it stops working as a show so dan sorry, Kurt, been no 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 that's no it's great no uh so I mean, Dan Curtis, I, and I always say this on the podcast, Dan Curtis used that the soap mm -hmm. opera structure to basically yeah. do what he wanted, what he mm -hmm. liked, which was- Let's tell Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde and Turn of the Screw and all this other stuff that he that he dug. Mm -hmm. Then he was like, well, let's work this in, let's work this into the story. And it just yeah. became this uh, interwoven, you know, uh, reimagining of all these horror classics and kind of with their own ideas also mm -hmm. mixed in, of course. Yeah. And, um but yeah um and that that probably does you're probably right too in terms of like why dark shadows ended be other than everybody being kind of wanting to move on Hired. To things yeah and stuff. well but, so there are things so this is a thing that I read about like there are things mm -hmm. that they could have done yeah. when when you say like they ran out of story like it's not possible to run out of story right um yeah. dan says the silly thing at one point of like well there's really only seven stories in the world, <laughs> yeah. which is just clearly not true right. in any way yeah. don't yeah. even know what you're talking about um <laughs> but the there are things that they could have done mm -hmm. in that like later year year and a half that that they just didn't have any interest in um which was just introducing new families mm -hmm. and and becoming more like a traditional soap just in the sense of like people come in um and we establish like another family that's here and we take that family seriously and i think like the point where it really breaks is Jeb and Carolyn at the end of the Leviathan story. There is such an important uh, yes. moment that yeah. should happen between them, Agreed. which is yeah. she finds out and she has a chance to react as like, as this crucial character who we've known since the very beginning 
they rob her of that experience and they rob us of kind of a real uh, ending to that story. Yeah. And Danny is talking about Carolyn finding out that Jeb killed that Jeb is Paul. a monster. But yeah. Yeah. And that he killed Paul Stoddard. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you're right. I agree with you there. And, I, and I wish Jeb kind of comes and that all that all gets wrapped up. And Carolyn is just sort of a passenger. Um, that says to me, like, they they weren't really that interested in Carolyn and what happens to Carolyn over time, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a shame. They could have had her deal with that as a problem, um, bring in new people. And, you know, like Quentin, Quentin needs some sexy nieces and nephews at a certain point coming in. <laughs> um because uh, he spent all that time wandering the world, right, having illegitimate children, obviously. <laughs> um, so he, you know, it's it would be so easy to like bring in more family members and then to actually like invest in those stories and and see what happens over do you, time. Do you think the the audience, like the, the kids running home mm-hmm. from school to watch Dark Shadow, do you think they would have been into that? Like, if it wasn't focused on the Collins family anymore and focused on somebody else, do you think they would have still? been interested in it i mean that is kind of what they did yeah well yeah I guess. Is, yeah. is create a new family but it was a super boring family and oh, nothing. Was the um 1841 i think family. people were into people were into the cliffhangers um yeah. people mm-hmm. were into it which is such a huge like it's such a huge part of soap opera and dark shadows as a soap opera mm-hmm. everything leads up to the big cliffhanger once a week or as with dark shadows eventually like every single day it's got to end on some major point of tension right. um and they kind of broke that by kind of leaving our family behind mm-hmm. um yes yeah and that was yeah i've talked about this in previous episodes yeah uh, i i had i don't know if you've heard uh, i did an episode with elena nicanther who was jonathan mm-hmm. frid's assistant when in the 60s and 70s during the run of the show and i've had mary o'leary on too and talked to her about this there were in her documentary, she shows a letter, the Jonathan Frid story, uh, where Dan Curtis fired Jonathan Frid uh, because he didn't want to do Night of Dark Shadows. Dan Curtis was furious that Jonathan Frid didn't yeah. want to do Dark, Night of Dark Shadows. So Dan Curtis's people, I mean, uh, Jonathan Frid's people came back with, well, you can't fire Jonathan. He still has this many months left on his contract. Yeah. So Dan's idea was well if you're not going to play barnabas in the movie you're not going to play him on tv right. so mm-hmm. that's supposedly yeah. why brand because for years fans were like oh jonathan frid insisted on playing a new character supposedly it was actually curtis who was like nope he's going to play and that's why yeah. 1841 parallel time came into existence uh right. and uh yeah so there was a lot going on there at, at yeah. that time um i I, I think that's insane. Uh, can you imagine firing <laughs> like your star attraction star. From, yeah. from the show? Because I, I think you got it. I think you would. Barnabas had to stay on. Like even if they introduced a new family, I think Barnabas yeah. still has to be part of whatever, like the, a key part of whatever is going on. Um, one I, one thing that I that I talk about a bunch is thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the second law of thermodynamics, which uh, is essentially like. Uh, you need, if you want uh, this show, if you want this story to continue, you need yeah. to keep bringing in energy yes. from the outside yep. um, that keeps it going. Otherwise, if it's just um, like a little bottle that's kind of like running without any new stuff coming in, mm-hmm. eventually it leads to entropy right? Um, and everything just gets boring and flat, which is, you know, so 1841 parallel time um, essentially was this little like bubble 
that didn't have more energy coming in. It was sort of just this one story, weird kind of gloomy story that they wanted to tell that wasn't that interesting. Um, and kind of just like all the energy leaked out from the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what kills the show. So they could have kept it going, uh, but they would have to turn it, you know, kind of lean more back into daytime soap opera than, than what the show had become. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, and, and that was just not the show that they, that Dan wanted to make anymore. That wasn't the show that, that even I think like Sam Hall and Gordon Russell were interested in making. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although they did like the next thing that, that those guys did was just go into more soap operas. Like they worked on one life to live. Oh, Sam Hall and Gordon Russell. Gordon, yeah. 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 And then Dan went on to do uh, the night stalker and yeah. Horror you know, stuff. Yeah. Horror stuff on TV, uh, TV, King of TV, TV horror in the seventies yeah. for sure. So sometimes um your opinion I mean, i've read the comments you know sometimes I, I enjoyed reading the comments on your blog which were often Great. just yeah. as uh just as insightful as as your write-ups there were some really yeah, good folks are brilliant responses yeah uh although sometimes i know i know some people were uh i guess sometimes it would, could be a bit irreverent sometimes like when like ron, ron sproke for example i know you're not the biggest fan of ron sproke or addison powell you know mm -hmm. um things and um you you could get a little irreverent sometimes um and i think sometimes people may have misinterpreted that so can you address some of that like uh you know i know i know one time you posted something like somebody stopped reading the blog or something because they thought you didn't really like dark shadows because you were joking yeah. around about and that that's you know, I think that's over. I've had people with my podcast do that too. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm always, you made fun of the Tim Burton movie. Right. I love that movie. I'm not, I'm not, no longer listening to your podcast. I'm like, it's okay to have different, your opinion and I can have my opinion. I, I'm not saying you're not a, a fan if you don't like yeah. the, the Tim Burton, if you do like the Tim Burton movie. Anyway, can you, can you address that? Sure. Well, I think that the uh, one thing that I know is like controversial on the blog, a thing that people disagree and get and get mad about is is what I write about Vicky, um, that she is she's a huge mess of a character. Everything that she does is wrong. She makes terrible decisions <laughs> all of the time. Um, she never is like making the smart choice, and things kind of collapse around her. And so I think I've got like at least a couple posts uh, that are called "Vicky Ruins Everything." Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. And I just like, and I, and I think that compared to the kaiju, Alexander Molka is just not fun to watch in the way that like Barnabas and, and Julia Quentin Angelique are. Uh, and it was fun for me to follow that thread um, and just kind of like keep making fun of Alexander Molka and of Vicky, um, which I found very funny. Uh, but I know that there are people who are big Vicky fans and who oh, like, yes. disagree and who, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, who are mad at me about that. And, uh, you know, there's a point where uh, I was I was just writing my blog. Um, it's kind of it's my interpretation of, uh, you know, what I'm looking at on screen. And Addison Powell is terrible. <laughs> I, I, I find him entertaining, but uh, and there's, yeah, definitely over the top. But yeah, I, I find um, and I, I like Vicky. I think she's sharper in the in the pre Barnabas episodes. But absolutely. She, yeah. Uh, but, but I had Patrick McRae on in the last episode, and he made it a nice point to like, well, if we were dropped into that situation uh, with, you know, 
mm-hmm. getting whisked back and forth in time and you know ghosts and witches and so forth we also wouldn't understand so <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't understand that we only understand it because we're watching dark shadows so i i you know i but i know what you're saying sometimes it's like vicky come on you know <laughs> yeah you are not seeing the things that are right in front of you you're right yes yeah okay Last uh, uh, some geeky question. Well, actually, this whole conversation has been pretty geeky, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's all about, right? Um, Yes. All right. So, if there were going to be a crossover between the Muppets and Dark Shadows, which which Muppets character or characters would you want to see show up in Dark Shadows? (laughs) That's such a funny question. Um, Well, my favorite character of the Muppets is Miss Piggy for <laughs> very similar reasons to my love for Julia and Angelique <laughs> on, on Dark Shadows. Okay. Uh, just a really like uh, very, very funny uh, and very pushy and mm-hmm. smart and like, and keeps things moving. Um, mm-hmm. That was, that's a thing that Miss Piggy does. Uh, it's a thing that, that Frank Oz did like always wanted to push for, what's the funny thing that we can do here? How do Mm -hmm. I make this, how do I make this like interview this, you know, on a talk show funnier? And it's either like picking a fight with the host or flirting with the host or both. Um, And so she's kind of like this, this destabilizing force where people don't, you know, at any moment, Miss Piggy could kind of like wreck whatever it is that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, and and, uh, the kaiju characters in Dark Shadows, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. is they walk into a room and they can just change what's happening just from the sheer force of their appeal um and and kind of the craziness that they bring. Uh, okay. So Miss Miss Piggy is your is Ms. your Piggy choice would, then? Yeah, she would be in there. Miss Piggy and uh Julia and Angelique uh duel battle. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Piggy, if you think about like Miss Piggy and Angelique dueling each other. <laughs> I can totally not, picture that. <laughs> not dissimilar. Yeah, that kind of in a weird way that kind of works. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say Uncle Uncle Deadly seems to be a, kind of the, the obvious Uncle choice. Uncle Deadly of, could like yeah could could he, sneak around. I could see him hanging out with like Professor Stokes or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what about uh, superheroes? Is there is there a superhero Dark Shadows uh, Gosh, crossover crossover that you could do? Um, I am not. I'm not sure. Do you okay. have anything? I can't, I can't, I can't think of a, of a good one. It's off just, the top it's a different, head. yeah. It's such a different thing. The, well, I mean, the co- comics, like the Marvel monsters, I think, pull, I think those, there was some inspiration oh, from Dark Shadows true. going yeah. on there. Um, I mean, they're kind of. Yeah, Werewolf mon- by Night. Yeah, you're right. Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Werewolf by Night is, is actually, I, I believe kind of uh, was very influenced, you know, ripped off, influenced, et cetera. Um, Werewolf by Night is, is very kind of like Barnabas and Quentin as a werewolf mm-hmm. um trying to trying to jack russell trying to do his best yeah, uh, yeah. in the world but also turns into a fam- uh, werewolf and kills people yeah uh, and it's the dark shadows doesn't i feel like dark shadows doesn't get enough credit for the influence it's had on yeah. pop, pop culture um, yeah i agree what do you think it would take to see dark shadows kind of come back into its own in terms of the pop culture zeitgeist yeah um i i don't think it's going to yeah i think um yeah, I think uh, the thing that gets people into Dark Shadows is watching it every day um, mm-hmm. and seeing how it unfolds. Uh, it's a commitment that you have to make, which like for us in the 80s, there weren't that many other things. <laughs> like Dark Shadows was the most interesting thing on. Yeah. Um, 
And I didn't have, you know, other choices, uh, in, like in the way that I do now, like, you know, basically now we have the opportunity to watch almost everything that has ever been made. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of it. And so you've always got choices. I think like uh, for us sort of in the 80s on public TV, it like narrows that down. And so allowed us to focus on like this strange, slow, but amazing thing happening every day in mm -hmm. front of us and and you know and you and I had that same experience of like of watching it every day mm -hmm. and it becoming like something that we love and part of our lives um and you know I think on the sci-fi channel when it was airing like that I think was very very similar that people kind of got into that habit of watching it every day and then and then it see seeps into you um yeah. and I and we don't have anything that is gonna like narrow options down like that mm -hmm. anymore like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a, a situation where anybody, like, it just, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, of like a rerun, like airing all the time and, and people seeing it over time. Yeah. You have to seek it out. Like it's on Tubi. Yeah. Like I know it's on Tubi yeah, for exactly. you with ads. And it's like, you have to look, for, you have to consciously, like, I have to find this on this thing. Um, what but about, people do, I mean, people do discover it and there are, sure. you know, there are new fans who, who come. And I know, again, just the fact that people are like still reading my blog and, and uh come and and I can tell are like watching the show uh and then coming and and like watching the episode then coming in and read the post about it and then they'll they'll you know post a comment um there's definitely people who like who who when they're clued into it and how amazing it is um that come in and and adore it the way that we do yeah. Um, I just don't think it's that like the mass audience is just not going to happen. Right. I just, I actually just heard from a fan in the UK who discovered it. Uh, I think it was like on Amazon or, or something. She's, she, like a, during the pandemic, she discovered yeah. Dark Shadows and she loves it. She just got yeah. completely sucked into it. So you're right. Yeah. People are still finding it. What about, I always, I always bring up this, um, the idea of the, the dark shadows reincarnation that Mark B. Perry right, is really. still, he's still, he just posted. He's still now that yeah. the writer strikes over, he's back at it to try. Oh, to, is he really? Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about that? Like to, to me, I think that could also lead to an influx of people who may mm -hmm. want to check out the, like Dr. Who, like the new Dr. Who kind of right, led right. to people. people going to, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I mean, history <laughs> Yeah, those are all reboots, though. This is history shows. No, yeah, that's the thing is is that um, you know history shows that when you when you try to reboot, when you try to tell the story over again, um, the way that that they have in all of the um, reimaginings of it, where it's about Barnabas and Vicky, which is never that's not actually the story, um, and uh, it it just it hasn't worked. It doesn't work as an actual like story that makes sense unless you're you're improvising it every single day like you would never sit down and write the structure of that story mm -hmm. the way that that dark shadows fans want to see it um but like you know basically the way to make dark shadows is to make something new like that was what they did every day that was sort of the the energy coming in um the ideas coming in and and experimenting and playing and seeing what worked and what didn't work pulling back on the Leviathans because everybody hated Leviathans, like bringing Quentin to the fore because everybody loved Quentin. Um, that kind of like mix and match playing around and experimenting is what Dark Shadows was as this weird little television laboratory to see what happens if we can uh, yeah. be the craziest thing on television and pay attention to, to what people are responding to. Um, so the idea of like 
going back and doing it again is kind of the opposite of Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's saying this is a static thing that we have decided, and then we're gonna we're gonna try and do that, get people involved in it. It just has never worked. Um, if what Mark's doing is is really like moving on from that and saying this, you know, we started this place, but then we are gonna go and and tell our own stories and do our own new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it definitely has like potential and it could really go someplace. I think the the big Finnish audios to some degree yes. did that, and I think and I think they were very good and very successful. Yeah, they, that's an uh, in, in audio form. Yeah, they did yeah. a sequel, uh, sequelized Dark Shadows and continued the story. Um, yeah. I like the idea of like everything that happened in the show still happened, but now we would find out what's going on now, what happened in the interim, etc. You can explore right. other time periods, other characters, uh, recast Barnabas or not. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you, it's uh, like is Barnabas part of the story? To. Yeah. So we. You, I don't know. Words, it, yeah, no. It really. It really depends on on what kind of new story there is to tell here, and kind of yeah. why you want to to bring it back. Yeah. Um, you know, taking like Barnabas, Julia Quentin, Angelique, and Gerard towards the end as these like amazing characters developed over time. Yeah. And and part of what makes each of those special is that they all started out as the villain or the antagonist. Um. And then over time, you know, became deeper and more interesting and therefore got more attention and more development. Um, we watched all of those things and it's so delicious to watch those things emerge and then to and then start interacting with each other. Um, so those are characters that, you know, that we as, as Dark Shadows fans really love. Anybody who watches the show um, is going to love those characters. And so you take that to a new series and you say, well, it's got to have Barnabas and Julia and Quentin and Angelique. And it's like, nobody knows who those characters are right. those are very weird characters that don't 100 percent make sense um and so like why would the new audience pick that up mm-hmm. um you know i think i think the the best example of a reboot really working is is doctor who um which did an amazing job of of saying uh this is a continuation. Everything that happened before this is true now from like 2005 on to now. Like it, it's all been one big story with a, a gap in between. Um, but Russell T. Davies also looked at what's the most essential things that we need in order to make that Doctor Who and uh, and how do we make that modern TV? Mm-hmm. And so it didn't like bring back a whole bunch of characters from before. It really was like new monsters. It It brought the Daleks back because... You had to because that was the huge. I don't know if you know Doctor Who at all. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, like, really was just telling new stories in a really completely new style. And mm-hmm. the only thing that was the same is just like the Doctor and the Companion and the TARDIS, and you can go anywhere in time and space, right? And fight monsters. Yeah. Um, I think what you know, if you're gonna remake Dark Shadows, if you're gonna you know start again, you have to go in with that with that spirit of like, which of these characters do we really need, and why do we need them? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to get folks involved in like what's happening right now, kind of moving forward? Right. It's totally possible. I would love to see, and I was, I would love to to learn more about like what he's doing. Um, yeah. I think it would be, it would, you know, I read like what he he wrote in Daytime Gothic, um, but I would love to know like what's the plan, what's the actual story that you would tell. Yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I hope I hope. Yeah. Uh, he's he's very determined to do. It. He's not because he's not going to give up uh, on it. Oh, fantastic! Himself. Oh, that's good. So what we show with all these streaming services out there, I assume, I mean, somebody's going to, somebody has to give Maybe it a shot. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I mean, um, people have asked me in the past with this podcast to do mm-hmm. 
Dark Shadows to do one episode devoted to each episode of Dark Shadows, which is would take if I even if I did a weekly podcast would take like 23 years which is insane I was going to ask you though is that something you've ever considered doing is because you're doing the superheroes podcast Mm -hmm. now which is fantastic have you ever thought about doing a dark shadows podcast I I really um the idea of of dark shadows every day was to say everything that I have to say about dark shadows okay um that i wanted to find places and that's why there were all these like side trips and bringing in other stuff i wanted to you know talk about the the comic strip and the comic book and and the novels and all this you know basically and all the reboots and everything all of that up until episode 1245 Mm -hmm. um and then i'm done and i don't have anything to say (laughs) okay um and so you know so uh so what i'm you know writing about in daytime gothic is is now i now i i don't want to sound like people go and read daytime gothic because it's brilliant um but my parts uh i'm sort of like taking themes and things that like i i wrote about but didn't kind of put into one place that's been kind of what i've done in daytime gothic is like so i've got you know i don't have a new thing to say but i've got kind of like a repackaging and 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 a new look at something that i've already written about so yeah if i so that's i don't i can't come back to to dark shadows like as a podcast or anything unless i come up with like actually new things to say about it i see okay okay i because I I, I I love it so much and i and i miss doing uh in a lot of ways the, the dark shadows blog because i loved writing it and i'm so i'm so happy that it's there for people to read um but i think it's everything i had to say about it okay all right great well folks you definitely want to check out uh danny's uh dark shadows blog i will put a link to it in the show notes i will also put a link to the to the superheroes everyday podcast and blog uh and where can we find superheroes uh everyday danny it is at superheroeseveryday.com um so there's a blog where i am writing about uh every superhero movie starting from the beginning in great detail so so far it's just been superman superman 2 uh swamp thing and superman 3 which i am now kind of in the middle of uh if you like my writing from dark shadows every day the the um superhero blog is very similar it's real funny and i hope that people discover it and love it uh and then also for the last like six months or so instead of writing the blog i started making a podcast because that turns out to be really fun too um so pe- folks can find the blog at, at superheroeseveryday.com and then uh, the superheroes everyday podcast is available on spotify and on all of the you know apple podcasts and, and google and all of the places where you find your podcast great and I, again i'll put a link to it in the show notes are you going to cover like older like the older superhero movies like um so the george reeves was superman versus like batman the mo- superman the stuff. yeah yeah and is that in the cards or are you focused starting with 70s and the, the um, idea the idea was start with it's actually kind of similar to starting uh Dark Shadows every okay day 10 <laughs> it's like what i was interested in is like the blockbuster movies and gotcha. kind of how does it go from here okay gotcha all right cool well it's, but i'm it's, also for the for the podcast i'm gonna take a little season break um and when i come back uh i might be doing like other i'm i'm thinking about bringing in other kinds of movies as well not just superhero movies oh interesting um, something about like the hunger games and john carter and twilight like there's a whole bunch of like not superhero blockbusters that i would actually love to have the chance to like dive into and have fun with wonderful cool yeah. well so come oh, check it out yeah, I look, look forward to that. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to oh, chat you. with you today. I have, I've had a blast talking to you. And yeah, I know 
<laughs> I know fans are going to love hearing from you. Absolutely. So thank you. And folks, please do remember to uh, rate and review the podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Prime, Spotify, wherever you can rate the podcast, please do so. That does help the podcast to reach more listeners. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, there is a video version of this. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. I would certainly appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much. And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be Terror at Collingwood. Terror at Collingwood is a Penny Dreadful production.